the morning of June 6th, Munsville was just another forgotten corner of rural America. But in the months that followed, the seemingly peaceful world was turned upside down. All right, welcome to another episode of the PGP Filmcast. Today is a very special episode. We got the PGP and P- another P. PPP. PGP. PGP. I'm your host, Chad. With me as always, Tom and Jerry. Yep. And we have a special. My memory's as sharp as it was. And our special guest. PGP. You have 2020 vision. These are just for looking at you. Name that movie. That would be Space Cowboys with Sutherland. Wow. It's kind of obscure. It's a great movie. And then we have a special guest star, Terry. Very nice to be here. Yeah. Actually, it's a little <laughs> pathetic how much I was looking forward to this. Terry is being played by an old black woman. <laughs> oh, don't you? He's going to give us some hard-hitting life lessons. <laughs> Ending with a warm hug. Coming up in today's episode, we have the Biloxi Blues versus Brighton Beach Memoirs. Good. And both Neil Simon. Then uh, June releases, couldn't find a top ten that I wanted to talk about, so we just went top eight. And then we have two Razzies. Wow, that's, that's a rough one. Ooh, Troll Hunter, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. And then a retro review of uh, Brothers Keeper documentary. Oh, you missed one, Chad. What did I miss? Uh, Hobo with a Shotgun, I don't see it on the list. That was on the last one. That was on the last one. Oh, I thought, that, I thought maybe we'd extend it till now, but... Well, we can talk about it. I'm, I, for one, am very excited. Very good, it. You can watch on Amazon uh, on demand right now. Yeah, I actually have sort of a, uh, you know, uh, seven degrees of separation connection to Hobo with a shotgun. So, how how is this possible? Um, well, you you know about the Grindhouse trailer competition. Yeah, and that was like this was like that quasi fake trailers for Hobo with a shotgun. Right. Well, I worked as the location sound guy, sound mixer for one of the trailers that I think it placed anyway. The creators went to LA. Is uh, called The Dead Won't Die. And uh, very excited about it. And uh, they came back at, from L.A. after meeting Tarantino and Kurt Russell and all those guys. Okay, and uh, <laughs> and um, asked me to, to translate the trailer into a feature-length script. Basically, they're uh, speculating... About the possibility they would be asked maybe to provide a full length trip. Well, or? that they might that with the success of the trailer, they might be able to raise the money for the film. Okay, sell so, it as a full length film. Yeah. So um, I wrote it, and um, some of the characters associated with Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, particularly the Hobo with a Shotgun, um, was going Howard? to make. <laughs> well, at the time, <laughs> at the time, Hobo with the Shotgun uh, was just a trailer as well. Oh, but uh, that character. Uh, we got permission to have make a cameo in the Dead Moon. I, I, I would recommend that you try to get Bruce Boxleitner if possible. He's like a cheap version of Rutger Hauer. They look exactly yeah. the same. They look exactly like, except, uh, say Bruce Boxleitner can say, get into the car. Get in the car! Get in the car! He is the king of sci-fi B original movies. Bruce get in the car! All over the was place. it Transformers? <laughs> Transformers, I think he was in the... Uh, like 2012 or whatever the crap out version of that. Mm-hmm. Well, Battle Battle Los Angeles, they had the their knockup of that. Like <laughs> Battle Four, Los, Battle Four Los Angeles was the sci-fi original version. Ah. Yeah, no fun in that one. Yeah. So anyway, friends of friends are friends with the hobo with the shotgun creators, and uh, so I watched the I watch it with interest. It looks good. All right. Then uh, last but not least, we got our top ten documentaries. Or but, uh, Tom's, Tom's top, top seven. <laughs> Tom's top seven. 
Like Doom made me a puppet. <laughs> he was working very hard on it. I did my best started. to get through all the uh, the verses and. Yeah, he's probably the only one that watched either Biloxi Blues or Brighton Beach Memoirs. I watched them both. Oh, okay. I've seen them both millions of times. <laughs> I've never seen Brighton Beach Memoirs. Huh? I was so confused. I, I, Chad told me these were supposed to be in the same universe, and it just still never connected. It just didn't seem like it was the same world or people. <laughs> totally different place. I think they need to have the same actors, like some sort of a, like Broderick, if you could have done both. That would well, have tied it together a little bit on more. On stage, didn't he do both? Yeah. Yeah. If you went and went and saw the play, if you would have, you would have told me to watch the Broadway version of it, it may have a little different opinion. <laughs> is, is Christopher Walken in any of the plays? No. No. Oh. I no. want to see Commander Sergeant Chewie do 200 push-ups in front of the entire platoon. <laughs> All right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say it. It might not come true. <laughs> uh, news. Uh, the Hobbit started filming. Uh, the Hobbit, an unexpected journey, will be released uh, December fourteenth, two thousand twelve, and then The Hobbit: There and Back Again, Part Two of The Hobbit. Are these based off of books, or are these totally original? December thirteenth, two thousand thirteen, based on The Hobbit, the book. So the people oh, who okay. remain after the rapture on 12, 12, 2012 will get to go see it. Yep. I've, and I've been emailed multiple times about the second story today. The Human Centipede Two full sequence has been banned in the UK. <laughs> The British Board of Film Classification concludes that the explicit presentation of the central character's obsessive, sexually violent fantasies is in breach of its classifi- classification guidelines and poses a real, as opposed to a fanciful, risk that harm is likely to be caused to potential viewers. An example of this is a scene Sorry. early in the film in which he masturbates while whilst he watches a DVD of the original Human Centipede film with sandpaper wrapped around his penis. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I regard that as a genius. That kind of bends like the whole sort of meta, doesn't it? He's watching his old movie. His own movie in the world where it wasn't a movie. It was just he was just making something. I think you I think you videotaped I didn't see the original. Oh he was like watching his own home video? Yeah. That's that's fucking sick then. That's gross. I'm I'm sorry, but I love the human centipede concept. I wish I'd come up with it. I it is How how long would the It's human fucked centipede up to the point of becoming art. This is like like a full sequence. I love the concept of sandpaper around the penis. Yeah, um, I came up with the you join with Operation Dumbo Drop and have elephants like a human elephant (laughs) centipede. It'd be like ten feet long. No, there's there's definitely sort of an arms race in in B grade horror of trying to come up with the most screwed up thing that you can for a premise. And I think the human centipede may have finally won that race. Yeah, you thought like Saw and Hostel were all bad, but human centipede. I'd say human centipede is way (laughs) beyond having some teeth in the vagina. Although, again, a concept that I wish I'd come up with. Yes, still. (laughs) Human centipede is disgusting (laughs) gross. I never watched it. They like wake up and this is like, oh, God. All right. Uh, Todd Phillips says he wants to break away from the mold of The Hangover Part 3. So. Not be exactly like the first one, which the second one was. That's a bold thing to say when your second one just made a you know just heaps and gobs of money. Well, yeah. it's record breaking, right? Huh? Yeah, it, it's going to be the highest grossing uh, R-rated movie of all time. R-rated. It, so it must be also be the highest rated comedy at the same time, probably. Or I don't know if it, uh, I mean Dark Knight is kind of a comedy. You'd <laughs> <laughs> no, be wrong, Chad. No, uh, Dark I think uh, for the Dark Knight. I want to say there's something else that, like a comedy that was, like Home Alone, I think, is oh, one of the highest. That was, that was hilarious. John Hughes buried in his golden coffin. Yeah. 
So, but uh, to answer your question about Hangover Two, it was the exact same movie as the first one. Like, it's not, not a terrible thing. No, it, it it wasn't like bad, but I mean, if you're going in expecting like a continuation of the story, no, the exact same thing happens. Like the movie starts out with him calling. It's a cat toy. <laughs> when you when you hit it, it chirps. Yeah. Or whenever you move and you drive with that in your car, it chirps constantly for the entire time. Wow, for a second there, I thought it was peaking. Stuff's really oh, kicking in. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Can I have vitamins? Anyways, like every like major plot point in the first one, they do in the second. So, but now it's in what? Like Tokyo? Where is it? What's it? It's in, in uh, Bangkok. Bangkok. Okay. Yeah. You've been to Bangkok. Have you? I have been to Bangkok. We ate seafood soup in Bangkok. <laughs> you didn't have the uh, the stripper that uh, shot uh, ping pong balls at, out of their vaginas. I did not. Wait, <laughs> that's not a Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Well, they really? do this in... Uh, yeah. So is that a man doing it then? No, no, it's a, it's it's a, a woman. woman. Um, yeah, uh, mail-order bride shooting ping-pong balls out of her snatch. So they, they stole it? That's like Kegel yeah. exercise has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> huh? I don't think they stole it, because uh, watching an interview on uh, Conan O'Brien with Bradley Cooper, and they were going around and... Stop biting my leg. They, uh... Jerry? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> All right, I was uh, trying to be accommodating. Anyways, they went around to get like photos for like the montage at the very end of the uh, movie. They had the camera and they like see all the crazy photos. And one of them, they they're at a script club and they have the vagina shooting out the ping pong. Was was what you said about something that got in his mouth or something? Was it? Yeah, yeah. Shot into Bradley Cooper's mouth. Oh. Like, it's like get oh, it. Sweet. Yeah. I, I don't doubt it really happens or that they had legitimate reasons for putting it in their film. I'm just saying it's been, it's a, done. It's been done. I did not realize that. I've seen Priscilla Pretty in the Desert once. I believe, was, my sister loved that movie when she was probably high school age would have been. Okay. So that's where I got she was still living at home when she kept watching that movie. I, I love that movie but I saw it again recently and was shocked to find out that Agent Smith from The Matrix is one of the uh, drag queens. I can't remember really? the other's name. Uh, no, but this is his name. He's going to be a B for Vendetta. Yeah. He's uh, going to be the bad guy in uh, Captain America. Oh, is like he? That. Yeah. That, that actually looks pretty decent, too, Captain America. So, before he goes in the machine where he's all weak and scrawny, is is that a CG version of him? It has to be. Yeah, because, I mean, he, it looked surprising when he came out. Because he came out looking like, I assume he normally looks like just ripped and exploded. <laughs> Imagine him like a that, that's how I look like just a monster monster cock. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this isn't wow. This isn't movie news, but George Lucas has put the live action Star Wars TV series on hold until it's more economically feasible to shoot the show. Did the interview say like he thought it would cost like twelve times more than what he could afford to spend to make this TV show? Like, technology wasn't where it needs to be yet. Yeah, he said. Uh, George can blow me because he's got money just falling out of his body. So I thought they just couldn't so. afford like the special wheelchair that we needed to like trip him around the set. <laughs> <laughs> Move me over there. <laughs> he can afford it. Uh, he's probably waiting until My the, the 3D versions come out and get more interest in it. Yeah, yeah there's a, there's a financial reason for that decision, but it's not that he can't afford it. Then uh, the cast for Snow White has been announced. Uh, we'll include Julia Roberts as uh, the the witch. 
Lily Collins, who was in uh, something. The Evil Witch has too much gum. Something recent, I don't remember what. The Evil Witch is so wonderful. <laughs> That's Snow White. And Army Hammer is uh, going to be the, the Prince Prince Charming. Army Hammer. Huh? He was uh, in The Social Network. He played one of the twins. Ah, it's fucking interesting. Or played the twins, he played both. And then Nathan Lane is also in it. What does Nathan Lane do? Is he he Snow White is uh, the uh, servant for the witch. All right. He'll probably be kind of... You know, kind of gay. <laughs> Sorry, that's what's funny. <laughs> then, uh, the last one. <laughs> All of Arnold Schwarzenegger's film projects have been put on hold. I mean, obviously it's not good to have a love child, but really, does that affect him? his ability to act? To make movies? No. Well, he doesn't want to make any money while he's going through his divorce settlement, so he doesn't have to get Well, if he has more of it. That <laughs> makes more money than he does. Yeah, I, I was joking. That would, at least that, that I could, like, buy. I mean, that would somewhat make sense. He's... Very emotional. I honestly, he would, he would have to do a drama and cry again, like in the end of days. I honestly think uh, he should just capitalize on on the controversy and do like Kindergarten Cop two, yeah. you know, or a porn. Got like a family or like Jingle All the Way three. Yeah, just skip two, go right to three. Did they do two? Was there, was there a second Jingle All the Way? Season must match you, Jingle All the Way. <laughs> jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way. What, what was the toy that he's looking for? I don't remember. Who fucking cares? <laughs> well, I think, what was the what was the uh, Toolman Taylor of Christmas movie? Church Green and a Santa, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. God, that's terrible movie. At the end of it. Good, the yeah. Santa Claus. Yeah, and there was wasn't there like this Mrs. Claus? Was that like one they, they've made three of them? I think. Yeah, yeah there's like three. Where if he didn't get married, then he would forever be Santa or something dumb. I didn't watch any of them. It's truly insulting. I have no. I've never seen any of those films, and that's kind of a point of pride. <laughs> No, there's only one Jingle All the Way. Oh, so remember, ready for number two. Jingle All the Way. Jake Lloyd played the kid, the awful actor that played Anakin Skywalker in Episode One. He's in Jingle All the Way. Yeah, he's a kid in it. He's the offspring of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Movie Land. That's kind of gay. Who? Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. (laughs) Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) (laughs) No idea. What was that god awful movie we were watching with, uh, where he's he acts like the dog? It's Howie Mandel. Oh, walk like a walk man. Like a oh, man yeah. oh, god awful movie did you say? Oh, <laughs> that is it is without a doubt the worst movie I've ever seen. Really? We without a the doubt. comic genius of Howie Mandel did not impress you. Were you not there with me and witnessed how horribly bad that? I movie had was. watched it the night before and was watching it with you again. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that was wonderful. All right, that's it for news uh, versus Biloxi Blues versus Brighton Beach Memoirs. I, I think unfortunately it's just that I also like the actors more in Biloxi Blues. Yeah, the actors are better in Biloxi Blues and uh, probably a better story, too. Before I rewatched this, though, in my mind, I had connected Biloxi Blues with Good Morning Vietnam. Like, I thought they both occurred oh. in Vietnam. I didn't realize this was, like, the last year of World War II. Yeah. I, I, there are parts of Brighton Beach Memoirs I like. I'd like, say, like, the first, like, 45 minutes of Brighton Beach Memoirs is pretty good. Then, uh, after they introduce all the characters and then it's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my, my take on these two movies, I love them both because I saw them both when I was younger and, you know, never mind the fact that Neil Simon can't end a play without having one of those sitcom freeze everyone laughs, you know, kind of oh. moments. It's like, oh, everything works out in the end. Um, I love Neil Simon anyway. Um, but these two films, I mean, they, they have so much in common. They're, they have the same protagonist. They're both coming-of-age stories. And so... You know, things like the backdrop for the film ends up being huge. Um, 
World War preparing to go off to war, World War Two is much more compelling than jerking off in your than jerking off. Yeah, Um, Uh, maybe (laughs) maybe if you add some sandpaper to it, I would. (laughs) And then also just the style of the two films. Um, I mean, you know, you you're basically putting Mike Nichols against Gene Sachs for directors. Who's Gene Sachs? Gene Sachs. All Gene Sachs does is make. Film adaptations of Neil Simon plays. That's uh, his whole run. That's a niche right market. There. That's uh, you're painting yourself into a corner with that. One. <laughs> yeah, um, Neil, we're gonna need some more plays. You know, so I mean, you know, Slugger's wife. Here we go. <laughs> like for example, I love The Odd Couple, which he directed, but all of his stuff feels like a play because what he does is Neil Simon adaptations. Whereas Mike Nichols, I mean, you got The Graduate, Catch-22, The Birdcage, The Angels oh, in America series. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Nichols is incredible. Um, so, I don't know. Brighton, com- Beach, Brighton Beach memoirs didn't really have a chance, in my opinion. Now, the conversation in the uh, when he's fixing the radio is pretty damn funny, though. Well, yeah, no, there's great moments to Brighton Beach memoirs, and I like the film on its own, but when you put them up against each other, no. it just doesn't hold. Galaxy Blues wins. Kind of a no contest, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> so we're all picking. Are we all agreeing? Yeah, yeah, this is the this first is time ever. All Galaxy Blues. I voted, I voted on uh, the website. Anybody else vote? No. Did no. not. No. <laughs> I figured I was going to be on. I didn't need to. But, but I, didn't, I didn't finish watching the Brian Rich Memoirs, though, until really today. I think you're full of shit. You know, expect me to say when you tell me pop wax on. You know, a, a couple other um, things that I have to mention is that um, people from Biloxi Blues actually like went on and had careers. Whereas I was looking up the actors that were in Brighton Beach Memoirs. What are you talking about? And, uh, Silverman was in Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, you kind of got me with that one. I was like, that's mm-hmm. I have reached the pinnacle. But um, actually, my favorite character from either movie was Epstein, or Epstein. Oh, I can't see. And uh, played by Corey Parker, who who sadly um, the biggest thing he's done since then is Will and Grace. But his so mother, Bloxy Blues, was his peak. His mother was married to Patrick Dempsey for a period of time. Thank really? God. How the hell do you know that? It's on his IMDb page. Oh, oh is that? <laughs> <laughs> I went to the same page and I missed that. So the trivia, but. No, Corey Parker did uh, How I Got Into College, didn't he? Oh, don't know. Missed that one. <laughs> you need to go back and study. You might want to watch that one, because that one is pretty damn I'm good. I'm still thinking about uh, Patrick Dempsey and Loverboy. That was a great movie. That is a good movie. <laughs> how old is he? Is he in his 50s? Like, how old is a Patrick Dempsey? He's got to be approaching 40. 40. No, 40s? I'd say he's in his 40s. 40s? He? He's got gray hair. Well, what movie is it where he's the regular delivery boy? The pizza boy? Loverboy. Is that Loverboy? I thought that was the one where he uh, he marries That's the his one next where door he, neighbor. He writes the girlfriend. Christy Alley uh, yeah. pays him to have sex with him. Yeah, yeah. That's Loverboy. Yeah, I love a good pizza delivery story. Pays him to drink him off with sandpaper. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you got to get order extra anchovies. Yeah, call this the Home Depot. So can I ask you guys one question on the comparison? Yeah. So like, so stylistically, one of the things that set the two films apart is that Biloxi Blues looks more or less like it was all shot on location. Like they actually, you know, went somewhere and filmed this. It may have been a back lot, but it looked mm-hmm. like a location. Well, they're like Did, hiking and doing their marches and stuff. Right. Yeah, it's looked like, real. Yeah, so you, you have a much more sense of place, and everything has that sort of yellowish um, sort of 
field of the film. Um, did it bother anyone else in Brighton Beach Memoirs that everything looks like a sound stage in that movie? It, it kind of looks like a long TV movie or something like that. They went to the Johnny Dangerously set. It kind of did, actually. <laughs> Here's the sound stage with the face. Patrick box. Dempsey is 45 years old. Thank God. Still looks amazing. I'll say his hair Still has not aged a bit over 20. So I can't believe we actually all agreed on one. That is yep. the, that, by far that the, may first be the first ever. time. I, I like to think I brought you all together. There we go. Usually, I, I was the glue. Usually it's a fight. <laughs> I don't know. Some two assholes picking Star Trek 2 over Star Wars. And <laughs> Star Trek 2 is no, a it's great not. movie. No, it's not. It's a good movie. It's a good movie, but it's not better than Star Wars. You know, listening to this podcast, I've always wondered like how you guys bring it back to Star Wars every single episode. And now I know. It's just random. It just comes up. Yeah. It, it is it's not, you guys aren't writing something down behind the scenes that causes it to happen. It's just a little knife that you pull out and every once in a while stab Chad with it. <laughs> I just, you know, one of them has been successfully rebooted. <laughs> one was... Yeah, but the, the reboot, though, I mean, it was almost like... A ripoff of Star Wars, like each, each scene. If they have an ice planet, what the hell is that? Well, that's, that's a sci-fi staple, though. You have to have an ice planet, lava planet, like desert planet, <laughs> a swamp. Planet. All created by Star Wars. Swamp planet and a planet populated entirely by horny women. Yes, green ones. That was always fun. Not in the new Star Wars, though. No, mm-hmm. I guess well, Star Wars has some. I guess what whatever Guido was, but I don't think you'd want to have sex with a female female Guido. That'd be a little gross. Guido, I don't know <laughs> who's on shot first. I don't know. It's small mouth. <laughs> They're not much to look at, but the best blowjobs in the planet from <laughs> a female Guido. Be like a hummingbird, like getting nectar from flowers. <laughs> So tight. I imagine just having a little tiny tongue that would shoot out. Yeah. Ew. It's a teaser. It can work right up the urethra. Yeah, I was going to say, it can go, oh. <laughs> Reach around. Then I'd be the one that shoots first. <laughs> <laughs> did Han shoot first? Yeah, he did. <laughs> then Chewie shot first. And then Luke shot first. <laughs> Sorry about the mess. <laughs> C3PO shot first. I'm not going right. to get that much so. of a female Guido going down <laughs> somewhere. No, that's just dirty. And it'd have to be like, because Star Wars is the dirty universe, it'd be like a dirty back alley of tattooing. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. It's kind of weird that Star Wars doesn't have like a drug. Like, mm-hmm. people are addicted to space math or something. Oh, no, there, there is in episode two. It's all the death sticks part. It was bad. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, just what that's I was right. You don't want to use that. I forgot about the death yeah. sticks. It was you the blatant anti-smoking ad. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought it was anti- you should go home. Cocaine, you should go home and be with your Rethink your life, yeah. <laughs> Get the line right. Come on. <laughs> Take it seriously. <laughs> All right, June releases. We got eight, so I figure uh, you guys split them up. Two each. Four, four each. Now let Terry do the uh, Razzie Awards. Ooh. Okay. I feel special. Tom, you want to go I first? Put, okay, uh, number eight, we have Beginners. I haven't heard of this one. Starring Ewan McGregor and Christopher Plummer. At the age of 75, Hal decides to tell his son Oliver that A, he has terminal cancer, and B, he is a gay man with a younger lover. I did see a preview for this. Oh, I'd choose B. <laughs> oh, wait, it's not I think I'd rather be gay with a younger lover. <laughs> B sounds like the better choice. That's June third. So is Ewan McGregor the lover, or is he the he is the son. Christopher Plummer's son? He's the son. Okay. Yeah. Is he also the lover? No. 
there that could be, be the twist. twist. Maybe it's a split personality where he's not only the son, he's also the gay lover, but he just like dresses completely differently. I don't think they, they went it's that probably. I don't think they went that route. It's possible. <laughs> why is that? Why are they beginners? Is the gay man huh? kind of new to it? Huh? Uh, yeah, uh, Christopher Plummer. Just started with the, yeah, the, the whole gay thing. First time is a bottom. Then, then and the first and the first time hurts. Power tap. Then uh, Hugh McGregor, I think, is supposed to be in a new relationship too. Oh, okay, so the whole time, the whole thing is Christopher Plummer ex- explaining to Hugh McGregor about what he just did the night but, before, yeah, about how he yeah. began. I don't know. I just did this. I began something beautiful. No, I gave a blumpy. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, we have the trip. When the Observer asked Steve Coogan to tour Northern England's finest restaurants, the actor's idealized getaway soon turns into an exasperating assignment with best friend professional rival Rob Brydon in tow. June 10th. I could care less. Is this a documentary? Uh, It's kind of like a mockumentary. Yeah, Yeah. it's not reality, but it's got a reality feel to it. It's real characters, but it's not a true story. They're playing themselves, but it's contrived. Um, (laughs) Personally, I'm excited about the film. I watched the trailer. I'd never heard of it. I have not heard and, of it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and this is just the sort of like pretentious film geek stuff that I'm a sucker for. So, I don't so know. That means you're going to like the Rob, Ryden, the Rob Ryden guy that does pretty good impressions. And oh, his, okay. uh, Michael Cam was pretty funny. Would you yeah, better if they could put Cameron Diaz in both of these movies? <laughs> number five and number seven? I think that would have been better. She just pretty much she just lights it up, lights up the screen. <laughs> Number six? You're just going to skip that? Uh, no, I was just talking about number five. Right? <laughs> just, Troll Hunter is strong on its own. I thought the trip may, could, maybe could be bolstered by Cameron Diaz. <laughs> so I'm done. Do I only did... I'm supposed to do two, right? You're supposed oh, to do four. four. Oh, four. <laughs> I, now I get to do Troll Hunter. I've actually already watched the preview for this. It's a foreign film. After learning that real-life trolls exist after years of being covered up by a government conspiracy, a group of Norwegian film students set out to catch the creatures on camera. It looks like they're attacking them. Like yeah. from the trailer, they got like all these. Their truck has like big, like steel. Like, yeah, it almost, it's almost like a military them. truck or yeah. something. It looks like they're trying to capture a troll. Yeah, is really what it looks like. Well, wow. it looks pretty funny. The easiest troll to film would be a dead troll. Yeah, just stab it in the gut. Yeah. Never. I never understood why people didn't do that with Bigfoot. It's like why standing around with a thirty-five millimeter, just unload on the son bitch, and there you go, you got proof. Because it's their friend that they dressed in human. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. Jersey Strange Wilderness, where they tried to find Bigfoot and they accidentally kill him. Yeah, yeah, that's also Steve Zahn's in that's an excellent movie. <laughs> you ever seen Harry and the Hendersons? Yeah, best Bigfoot movie ever. <laughs> John Lithgow. Yeah, yeah, John Lithgow can He's make anything great. He was also in the best multiple personality movie ever. Raising King. Raising King. Ooh, that's true. What about what's the uh, John Jim Carrey one? Uh, where he has the sons that are the, oh, his wife, uh, me myself and Irene, me myself and Irene, where, he, where his wife cheats on the the black midget in Mensa. <laughs> yeah. He has the enormous black sons. <laughs> Why are your kids always tan all year round? Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> you can't move that motherfucker. Okay. Maybe raising, <laughs> maybe raising Kane is right about up with that. Number five, we have bad teachers starring Cameron Diaz, Justin Timberlake, JT, and J- Jason Siegel. Dumped by her sugar daddy, an unsaintly schoolteacher targets one of her colleagues as her next lover, a plan that pits her against a popular co-worker. June 24th. Is a good name and bad movie? Seems like they're just completely ripping off Bad the... Santa. <laughs> no, not Actually, bad. Actually, to me, it looked almost like, like a School of Rock ripoff. Yeah, or like Glee, um, where um, Gwyneth Paltrow can't play as kind of like the naughty, dirty teacher. That's what I really no. thought this seemed like a knockoff of. 
Anyway, I watched the trailer, and after it, I spent two hours crying with both barrels of a shotgun in my mouth. Don't make me want it. But what about Jason Segel? I tend to like I, him. I like Jason Segel. So I, I think it. he may be able to help save it. He's got that wholesome thing that does it for me. Uh, not no. much go see anything, though. I'm, out, I'm over 40 movies now this year. Are, are you on track to make it, or how's it going? Yeah, I just yeah, need to be, see eight movies this month, so then I'll be halfway through the year. Half, halfway. I am impressed. Yeah, you've watched some shitty movies trying to keep oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for Elephants? I think so. That, that's not something? even close to the worst movie Something I've seen. Borrowed? Is that the worst one you've seen? Something maybe? Borrowed was the worst, worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I kind of want to watch that one in the theater just to witness it. It's still in the that's theater. One of my, that's the th- one of the things that takes me to the movies. To see so. that shit-tastic film in the theater before it disappears. That was bad. It's probably made quite a bit of money, though. Yeah, but, I mean, it's still... It's been out for like a month, and you can still go see it. What? Something borrowed. Like yeah. Big Mama's. I don't think that's hard to find. Yeah, I, w- I would think I was running out to see a shitty movie that was going to be out of the theaters like that. And, uh, as you know, those are usually blockbusters that are around forever. So I, I just don't understand the American public. Big Mama's was <laughs> there for about a week. <laughs> Not even. You, you went there a week after it opened and they canceled the showing. They canceled so, the showing and they had to go see that, uh, that Brooklyn, Brooklyn Center. Brooklyn Center. Brooklyn yeah. Center 20. And it was just me and my dad in the theater. Was it worth the trip? It was pretty funny. It was fun to see it with my dad, <laughs> having him watch a Big Mama's movie. is pretty good. <laughs> All right, number four, we have Cars 2, Lightning McQueen, Pit Boss Mater, and the rest Mater, of the Mater, 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 come right, on, man. I've not seen it. Jesus. If I listen to this in the car with my kids, they're going to be so yelling Pit, at you. Pit Boss Mater and the rest of Lightning's crew enter the race of champions, a multinational event taking place in Japan, Germany, Italy, France, and England, June 24th. This is gonna. This is gonna be pretty much the movie of the year, probably in profits and like awards. I'll just say it right now. I'll say profits. Yeah, I think every kid under about eight has to go see this movie, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know more. profits though. I think Fast Five might be pretty close. What about merchandise? It, it didn't cost. No, not, not even including merchants. I think just overall, I'm gonna say ticket sales. I'm not gonna take in the cost of the movie. Okay, Cars Two is gonna. Well, it'll, it'll pass that, but. Fast Five, I think, uh, worldwide is like over $550 million. How much did it cost to produce, though? Like $80 million, I think. Oh, that's not too bad. Okay. Okay, I, I'm a sucker for anything that Pixar does. And in fact, I'd like to take this opportunity to let anyone working at Pixar know that I will happily take a job sucking the dick of someone who get someone else coffee just to work at that, Pixar. That animates. You might want yeah. to go on a different podcast. I'm just saying, it, you know, maybe this gets passed along somehow. But anyway, I watched the trailer for Cars 2. I was not impressed, but everything Pixar does is gold, so I'm sure it's a fantastic yeah, movie. Yeah, let's kind of wait till it comes out. Alright, and next we have Green Lantern, directed direct by Martin Campbell, starring Ryan Reynolds and Peter Sarsgaard. When he's granted a mystical green ring that bestows him with otherworldly powers, test pilot Hal Jordan becomes the first human to earn membership into an intergalactic squadron tasked with keeping peace within the universe. His mission? To combat an enemy called Parallax, which threatens to destroy the universe's balance of power. Woo-hoo. June 17th. Green Lantern as a comic book adaptation. Therefore, I will see it. I never read the comic book. It's pretty good. Huh? Is it? Any any description that has intergalactic squadron in it, then I'll I'll go see. And your band is gonna go parallax. That just sounds awesome. <laughs> also sounds like Eventually we're just gonna have a movie about Modoc, and then I will die a happy man. Mental organism designed only for killing. <laughs> Next we have X Men First Class, directed Ooh. by Matthew Vaughn, starring James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, Charles Xavier and Eric Lencher. Are two young men discovering their powers, banding together. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sounds like Brokeback Mountain too. Banding together with fellow mutants to stop a threat to the world, a rift grows between the two forces, leading to the founding of Professor X's X-Men and Magneto's Brotherhood, and the beginning of their eternal war. Open June 3rd, and Chad saw it and said it's up. Well, it feels no, like really I think the reason why, they why <laughs> is this kind of like a lovers' feud where they like were just so passionate that they just couldn't be together. Well, anymore. just imagine getting pounded by somebody in bad metal. Yeah, Magneto, that'd be rough. I don't know. It, it seems like they're. But imagine if your prisoner Xavier, you could take over that guy's mind. <laughs> you actually could fuck yourself. He's <laughs> <laughs> wearing his helmet. <laughs> but there is a... <laughs> the helmet on. <laughs> The damn helmet up. You're gonna do this. I'm doing a wheelchair. It's so wrong. Sit and spin, Magneto. Sit and spin. That was the best thing I've heard in a week. Wow. I'm, I'm going Take to be that contemplating up. that. For we a will remake period. that movie. Next, we have number one movie this month. We have Super 8, directed by J.J. Abrams and produced by uh, Steven Spielberg, isn't it? Yes. yes. The, so the big Jew. So good. In a small Ohio town during the summer of 1979, a group of kids shooting a Super 8 movie witness a train crash. Soon they begin to suspect the crash was no accident. After disappearances and inexplicable events that begin to take place in the town, as their local deputy searches for answers, a terrifying truth emerges. Steven Spielberg is not a human being, right? He's well, you, don't, you don't want to see this? I do, I do. This looks cool. I'm going to yeah. yeah. gonna go see it in IMAX. Oh, yeah. I also I didn't know it was directed by J.J. Abrams. Yep, oh, yeah. Yeah, Star I, Trek. Yeah, well, I, but I wanted to see it even before I knew that though. Yeah, had, had I turned in a list for the top ten reasons to see something in the theater, J.J. Um, Abrams is a good enough reason. Would you like J.J. Yeah. Abrams to maybe do like Star Star Wars Seven? You know, I like that they, they do, do Rocky like, Seven. The pro- no, he's already done Star Trek. So post. Just... What you call those post quills? What would you call post seven? Huh? George Lucas could fuck it up with this. I think post quills sounds better. <laughs> post quills. Pre and post quills. But as far as Spielberg connected projects go, the, the trailer reminded me a lot of. Um, E.T. Cloverfield? N- uh, no. Um, Amistad. No, the. the Schindler's fucking List. Spiel- <laughs> yeah, Schindler's <laughs> List. It was exactly like Schindler's List. No, um, War of the Worlds. Oh. Sad. <laughs> King of the World. <laughs> what was that from? <laughs> it was Amistad too, and they were making fun of Titanic, and he was just the slave. He's like, King of the World, and he gets whipped by the slave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And moving on to Terry, you got the Razzies. Oh, the Razzies. All right. The award hopefuls. Hopefuls, yes. Yeah. Just hopefuls. Um, Although I think number two on this one's a sure thing. But, okay, number one, Judy Moody in the Not Bummer Summer. This is a kid's movie, though. I think it's hard to... It it looks fucking terrible. (laughs) (laughs) When her parents take an unexpected trip to California, third grader Judy Moody creates a series of dares in order to have the most thrilling summer of her life. This is Home Alone with a girl. Yeah. How is that not going to be Her way-cool Aunt Opal and little brother Stink... Join in the adventures. Who would name their kid Judy if they had the last name Moody? I don't think our kid's right. What about Stink? I think it's Stink. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'd name my kid Stink Moody either. That has to be a nickname. Wait, what was the daughter's name in Californication? Was she also Judy know. Moody? I think it was Stink. Because I know the last name was Moody. But anyway. Stinky. Mad Eye. Mad Eye Moody. Mad so, Eye Moody. Yeah. Sounds like crap. I, have, I know nothing about it. but Well, just, she left uh, home alone. 
Does Aunt Opal just come no, over? No, Aunt Opal is there to take care of him. That's Heather Graham. Oh. But Aunt Opal's way cool, though. Yeah, well, yeah, right. she she buys everyone drugs. <laughs> drugs and <laughs> so that's all the NyQuil you can rope up. I dare you to take this shot and shoot it in between your toes. Yeah, do this. And your eyeball. Yeah. What, are, what are they doing with that? They're, aren't they something like alcohol-covered swabs up their butts to get drunk in college? Now? Well, no, you can do alcohol, uh, like, bongs, where you, you bong alcohol into your rectum and you can get drunk incredibly quickly. Really? So maybe that's what Judy Moody does with the Not Bummer mm-hmm. Summer. <laughs> <laughs> she butt bongs alcohol. She maybe butt that's, bongs. Maybe that's Night there bomb. number two. Well, out of curiosity, would it, would there be fewer calories that way? I mean, if you, you probably wouldn't absorb, yeah, it wouldn't be calories. You just pretty much absorb the alcohol. Nice. Okay. All right. So back off the wagon again. All right. <laughs> I see a really long tube. <laughs> I don't need that long a tube. It's just really hard to auto-asphyxiate myself. I just need somebody to have it in their mouth and blow it. (laughs) (laughs) And number two, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Um, I I had the misfortune of watching the trailer for this. I think everybody has. It's on everywhere. And there's fucking billboards everywhere for this thing. Yeah, there's there's been a pretty big promotional push behind this. They must feel it's going to be big. Kind of like it's going to fail. Master of Disguise. I mean, I'll read this little mm-hmm. blurb here in a second. June 24th, what is that against? Uh, let's see. It's going to be against Cars 2. I wonder. Wow. All right. That was a wise marketing move. It's like a Blizzard release. for Like when Pixar releases a movie, there should just be no other movies released that way because it's just not even yeah. fair. Um, but I couldn't even suspend my disbelief with this premise through the preview. This is like yeah. Snow Dogs with penguins. Like they all have like their own little nickname. It's like this one's yeah. Poopy and Snow Dogs is bad, is what you're saying. <laughs> I think so. That was really good. <laughs> who, who was the uh, Cuba? Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. That's it. Cuba. Wasn't Paul Walker in one one of those? Paul Walker was with the uh, Snow Dogs. Oh, no, he was in. That wasn't Snow Dogs. What was that? April O. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Adult, yeah, whatever. <laughs> So tell me, tell me about this movie, Terry. I'm, I'm, oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Excited. Yeah, um, starring Jim Carrey, um, who has only made one. Do good your impression movie of Jim Carrey's career. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Only good thing he's ever done. Dumb and Dumber. Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber. Uh, I, I like Liar, 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 Liar Rain. Me myself, Rain. It's funny when he plays like his alter ego, where he's like super macho, and he like wakes up and he has the dildo in his butt. It's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give you those three. So he's done four good things. But after businessman Mr. Popper receives a penguin as a gift, he soon finds himself the caretaker of five or more of the seabirds, and he subsequently changes his life and home to accommodate his new charges. Nothing about this works for me. Yeah. This just wouldn't happen. It's a ludicrous premise. I hate it. Seems to have some sort of medical like uh, illness. He like brings snow into his house and penguins... So this is one of those things if you build it, they will come. Is that what they're kind of saying? If you build why, it, why would you like adopt like six penguins? And, and I think that's pretty sure it's the time of his own medical illness. Right here. Yeah. And here's I my other more penguins. Here's my I other fear penguins. with this film. After March of the Penguins came out, all these rich idiots, you know, started trying to get penguins to give as pets to their kids. And so, you know. so, so <laughs> Mr. Proper Penguins would be dragging around a dead little baby penguin for a while. Yeah, it's so sad, but this could reignite in. that. That trend. Nobody's gonna go see this. That's true. I'll go see it. I might go see it. I like it. You might be. I mean, compare some of the other ones on here. Huh? I, I have to. If I were hiding see from the movies. law and wanted to go, is this someplace. the list that you're gonna see? <laughs> huh? This is, I mean, you said there's only eight worth. Are you gonna see the eight that you listed as not as being non-Razzies? Huh? 
Uh, there's some like movies that uptown I might go see. I'll so. go with you to Troll Hunter. <laughs> uh, Troll Hunter, I don't think is going to be out in Minnesota. We'll watch I think it it's already on demand though. I think we'll be able to we'll watch, watch it. it somewhere. Fine. Right. Uh, that's it for uh, June releases. Uh, new retro review of Brothers Keeper. Brothers Keeper came out September 9th, 1992. Uh, domestically, it did one million three hundred five thousand nine hundred fifteen dollars. Can't imagine that it costed too much to make. Dollar seventy five. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I had to pay the uh, what was it, the Dunn Brothers or the name of the brothers, the Ward Brothers, Ward. <laughs> the Dunn Brothers. <laughs> Single word. All right, uh, directed by Joe Berlinger and Bruce Sinowski. Uh both of whom were big uh, players in the Metallica "Some Kind of Monster" documentary. So they've got that yeah, going. They've got some street cred. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this documentary details the murder trial of Delbert Ward. Delbert was a member of a family of four elderly brothers working as a semi-literate farmers and living <laughs> the combined together. Combined IQ of sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> and living together in isolation from the rest of the rest of society until William's death. A police investigation and medical examiner's autopsy suggested that Bill may not have died from natural causes. You forgot to mention, really shittily done autopsy. (laughs) (laughs) And Delbert was arrested on charges of second-degree murder. And mopery. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck's mopery. Exposing himself to a blind man. (laughs) Under questioning by police, Delbert appears to have waived his rights and signed a confession. But this film suggests that he may not have been competent to do so. Don't uh, suggest anything. You just listen to the guy like he can't fucking sign a check. <laughs> the film explores possible motives for the crime, from mercy killing, Bill was ill at the time, to progressively more bizarre hypotheses. It also shows how residents of the rural community of Munsville, New York, rallied to, to the support of one of their own residents, previously considered a social outcast, against what they felt were intrusive big city police and district attorney tactics. Bam. What did you think of the bizarre when they found a little bit of semen on his pants? And instead of just thinking he may be masturbating, no, it's like a four-way brother gangbang. <laughs> I mean, it's immediately where they went. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think well, and, I think it's clear that there was a four-way brother gangbang. Well, I also like the speculation that, you know, maybe it was a cow's semen. Yeah, I was like, ew. Um, so were they suggesting that he was doing it with the cow, or that you just get cow semen on you? We when don't have a cow's. cow's. <laughs> bull. <laughs> That's, that works, right? Yeah, bull, 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 sure. <laughs> but, no, I mean, you just hear the guy talk. And, like, and I agree. There was, like, that one friend we said, like, this, it was, like, the smart friend. Yeah. Right. It was like he said, you know, there's no way he could have been, he could understand what he was signing. And you listen to him talk, within one minute, you're like, yeah, he is not clearly calm. He is clearly mentally retarded. Yeah. If And the one brother's obviously mentally retarded and incredibly mentally ill. The one that would just, like, start just, shaking. Start shaking. Yeah. Start talking Lyman. Lyman's my favorite. Yeah, the one who... I was uh, going to say, I would, I would be Lyman if we were to make a drama of this. I would be Lyman. I feel bad for him. I mean, like, he was just utterly terrified of what was going on. Yeah, well, and he, he said he was always anxious about everything. Yeah. So, I mean, clearly just some sort of general anxiety disorder. Mm. It was pretty funny when he gets on the stand, though, and has to be ex- escorted out. And just like, he's just like slowly vibrating more and more. And more. <laughs> but, I mean, we were just talking about... I think this diamond would have been so much better if they would have cut off the first half of the movie. If they would have started with the trial... A little bit of the story building up, but it was a trial some part. I thought that was actually good. Yeah. Before that, though, it was just... Like, the first 45 minutes, it was just a, a trial to stay awake. What about the dance? They go to the dance. You see Delbert, and yeah, Ronnie gets his first around. And I, think, I think the first part of the movie was necessary, just so you gain that intimate familiarity with the characters I and think their situation. I think they could have trimmed it quite a bit. 
I feel like they possibly, just, yeah. Um, they have to make it long enough to put it in the movie theater. So. My my issue with the movie, I mean, as far as the narrative goes, it kind of is sort of another take on the thin blue line, where a kind of famous documentary. Or anyway, um, <laughs> but, but the, are you talking about blue streak or thin blue line? Thin blue line. Oh. Thin blue line is. I know, a, I, I know blue. Chips. I know blue streak. <laughs> but where thin blue line worked is it had a much more um, compelling case. And uh, there was much more, you know, back and forth with the evidence. And this was actually pretty clear cut. Was that okay? The the cops really have nothing except for this fucking confession. That I mean, anyone can change their mind after they sign a confession, and the cops are going to need more evidence than that to get a conviction. The cops really had nothing on this. So I, halfway through the movie, I said, "Well, okay, this guy's going to get off." And, and you know where it's going. You, yeah. Well, I guess you don't know. You you get kind of worried though when they get to trial and. You feel sad for the guys. Just this big idiot. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Tom was like favorite tell like his favorite TV show. Just like, T.J. Hooker. Yeah, he was like, wow. Actually, um, it's TV amazing that they actually lived on their own. I mean, really, if you think about it, it's amazing that they yeah. had survived and like were able to support themselves. Well, if you look yeah. on IMDb, they lived to be like eighty something years old. That's incredible. Except for Delbert. Delbert died shortly after the movie. So, did you guys feel the the filmmakers were trying to romance that kind of? Uh, rural lifestyle, small town lifestyle. I felt that's, like that that's was why part I, of the. That's why I picked it because I thought it was a documentary about the PGP film cast, kind of like how not we felt. At all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> You're a horrible horror. <laughs> <laughs> they had a pretty nice house, though. Yeah, yeah their house was thing. awesome, man. There's just nothing but shit all over. <laughs> Actually, I, I lived in apartments that looked a lot like that in my late teens, early twenties. You know, part of the whole punk rock thing, and uh. Yeah, it was gross. It was disgusting. But it, there are a lot of documentaries streaming. I could have picked another one. So I, I was kind of hoping, you know, after they introduced it, uh, the defense attorney, you know, the big companies that were framing them to, to get their land worth. <laughs> oh, I money. thought that was weak. That, <laughs> that was know, incredibly so weak. When I first saw it, I was like, "This defense attorney's fucking moron." <laughs> he was. He just want, he really got excited about being on TV. I think. Yeah, I it seemed like he did a good job. In some yeah. ways, though, I thought he seemed to do okay. Oh, he, got, he got him off. I mean, he was like... Oh, well, yeah, he managed to successfully dunk a slam dunk. I mean, you know, yeah. doesn't get easier than that. There's, There's no evidence. Panic, I thought. Yeah. He's like closing monologue. was pretty good. <laughs> the, uh, the defense's uh, medical examiner, though, was pretty awesome. He's like... Michael well, Bob? I don't remember. No, like their expert witness. He's like, well, typically when I'm seeing this and I see it, it's going to be a homicide. You're going to see these four things. None of which were present in this case. This is like, <laughs> there we this go. Is like, this guy's fucking full of shit. That dude, your medical examiner sucks, and he was like the most pompous dickhead ever. Like the local examiner. Yeah. yeah. Usually in a murder investigation. Oh, and he the the manner of the crime or manner <laughs> of that. Shut up. Like explaining what he what he looks for. Well, like, like, well, no, it'd be different if you went into the house and there was things missing and then we would start considering murder yeah because you, you are a police investigator no you're not you are an idiot just find out if that's cow or human semen <laughs> that's your job you should be able to do that by taste by the one way one taste so. saltier than the other one well, you know, I've written a book on this regular taste kind of sour <laughs> premium taste kind of sweet diesel just kind of tastes pretty good <laughs> Are we we star ranking this? Uh, It was starring uh, Delbert, Roscoe, and Lyman Ward, and then the defense attorney was Ralph A. Cognetti. Cognetti. He he, he looked like an ugly Italian guy. 
<laughs> what was it? The Elmer guy, the really creepy neighbor. Oh, the one who had like the eyes was like, ah! <laughs> get him off the screen. <laughs> the big ass scary beard that he had on. He was good. Uh, IMDb uh, seven point seven out of ten is the average user rating. Then Rotten Tomatoes one hundred percent, sixteen positive, zero negative. Hmm? Leonard Moulton gave it three and a half out of four stars. Can't hear me shaking my head. <laughs> I gave it two and a half out of five. Out of five. I give it a three. I'm gonna go, actually. It, it grew on me enough at the end with the trial. I will go with three. I, I mean, not great, but I will. I, I usually score pretty high on movies. The guest vote is three as well. Chad is wrong. So, well, Chad, uh, Chad was also wrong about Conan's too. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I thought I thought it was a very well done documentary, but um, you know, I like the thin blue line better, and I felt the story was predictable. Has clearly five star All right, that's it for the retro review. We got uh, top ten documentaries. So Terry, you're the guest. You can start. Ooh, uh, cool. through number two. Yeah, so leave the number, number one. Two. Yeah. Number one. Yeah, yeah. It was a build. No, believe it or not, I've listened to every episode you guys have ever done. I think there are two people. You and was a. Did you hear the one where I like, was it old Yeller? What was the one where I got really the saddest movies? Yeah, Labyrinth. You all made that. <laughs> you made fun of yeah, that, that was Number brilliant. Nine. That was great. Fuck you guys. <laughs> for the for what it's worth, I I too was deeply moved by Labyrinth. I thought Labyrinth was very sad because it could have just turned the left and they would have been there, but no, they go through all this good hell because it went to the right. David oh. Bowie is a scary <laughs> motherfucker. Okay, so I know um, this is probably not everyone's favorite top ten. Um, ever, but I actually found this really hard, and so I have a ridiculously long list of runners up. I, I may um, I may be mining some of your runners up, then so go for it. Okay, <laughs> but first, just my top nine, um, and th- these are really subjective. These are just documentaries that meant a lot to me that I've seen. There, are, I'm sure there are better documentaries out there. But um, so number ten, the decline of Western civilization which is a film 1981 um, made by Penelope Spheris. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but her, her other claim to fame, in my opinion, is that she directed Wayne's World. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, see, I knew that would bring you guys in. You is, know? That the, is that the one about butt rock? Um, it's about punk rock. But, punk rock, um, yeah. yeah um, I think I've seen it. Yeah, it's incredibly good. I highly recommend it, just for the band performances, if nothing else. Um at number nine for me, I have American Movie. That's a nice one. Maybe a repeat. Yeah, I'm guessing that'll be on a few lists. It's COVID. <laughs> Not like oven. Was that cathartic for you, Mike? <laughs> that that movie actually probably would have ranked higher for me, save for the fact that in the back of my head, I have this little voice that suggests to me that maybe I'm exactly like that guy. <laughs> Aspiring filmmakers, small town. Oh god! Yeah. I actually kind of liked, and his, especially his, I guess the credit scenes of his movie that they showed at the end, where it's a guy like running behind the truck and they show the different titles. That looked really cool. It had some parts that were actually good, and they should have gotten money from Coke because yeah, yeah. I just felt a new new photo from. I just felt bad for the third Bill <laughs> third. Do you know Surge you can still get, and uh, I believe it's Norway. Really? Yeah, it's still available. I just country. felt bad for the guy because he shot on reversal and then he lost that one frame. So, you know, he didn't have a negative to go back to or anything. It was all shot on reversal. Can you put the um, soda, my soda? All right, so at number eight, I have The Corporation, um, directed by Mark 
Akbar and Jennifer Abbott. I mention that mainly because Mark Akbar actually appears again further down on my list. Hello, Akbar! Um, Any relation to Admiral Akbar from Star Wars? Yes, they're cousins. (laughs) He's fish? (laughs) Um, Let's see, what was that? Eight. So at number seven, I have Sound and Fury. Are you guys familiar with that one? I read the book. I am not. Mm. The Faulkner book? No. What's it about? Uh, Sound and Fury is about, um, oh, basically about the deaf community's reaction to cl- cochlear implants. Oh, and they felt like it was attacking their culture. Right, right. You're, fix, you're fixing kids at a young age. Wait, wait, wait. Or, excuse me. Tom <laughs> <laughs> was shaking his little hands. Anyway, um, I. I thought, for whatever reason, um, I mean, I was studying ASL at the time, and I saw the documentary, and I was just so heartbroken by how this community felt the need to defend their culture, mm-hmm. even though it's condemning their kids to what would arguably be a handicapped life. Um, but it's, yeah, it's culture versus like, you know, why your kids do have, I guess, all access to all the experiences they can. Right. Um, okay, so after that, uh, which is what number five, um, I have the no, time. That's six. Wait, one, two, one, three. Yeah, you're going the other way. <laughs> you're right. Sorry. Okay, not a math whiz over here. And number six, we have the Times of Harvey Milk. Um, this is the documentary, not the not, not milk. Yeah, not no, milk. Not starving, okay. starring Sean Penn. This is an actual documentary about the case in which, uh, yeah, one of the council members um, gunned down his um, gay colleague using the defense that he'd eaten too many Twinkies that day, <laughs> and that had that had affected him oh, psychologically. Oh, when that happens, and uh, and so he couldn't Maybe help but happen. just. I had a bad case in the mud. Yeah, just judge. kill a guy and the mayor. Yeah, second cupcake. Anyway, there's a lot of gay documentaries out there, but that one is my all-time favorite. It's really good. Um, okay, now at number five, um, we have Control Room. And you guys catch this one? Is that the um, uh, one uh, the newspaper in Iraq? Yeah, basically, it's a documentary about Al Jazeera. Oh. Um, and it's all shot basically during the first year or two of the Iraq invasion or war or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it was just it was just a disagreement. I um, for the Iraq email, but it was fascinating because you got to directly contrast our media with the Al Jazeera reporting. And in the U.S., we're constantly told Al Jazeera is just a mouthpiece of Al Qaeda and it's evil and blah blah blah. And Which is true. Um, oh, of course. But you actually get to see these producers and things working on on the news stories for Iraq, and uh, it's great stuff, and I, I highly recommend it. Control Room? Control Room. Directed by, directed by Jehane uh, Bloody Hell. No no chance about going to be able to pronounce that. Now Jane? New Jam. New, New Jam. Jam. <laughs> non Jam. Not, not going to get a job. Not going to work anymore. <laughs> All right, number four, I have Manufacturing Consent, Noam Chomsky and the Media. I read um, the book. Yep, this came out in 1992 and was the first documentary that I'd ever seen in the theater. Saw it at the Uptown Theater. Ooh. And uh, this was the other documentary made by Mark Akbar. Um, anyway, uh, it's, you know, surprisingly funny and interesting, you know, given that Noam Chomsky himself is very dry. I mean, the guy's a linguist. and um, 
But anyway, it's not it's the most great. exciting book to read on Earth. No, no, I read it too, and it's yeah, I'll try. It's boring. Number three, I have the kid stays in the picture. Um, this came out in two thousand two. Why are some in bold and why are some not in bold? Um, depending on where I copied and pasted oh, the title, okay. I, was, from. I didn't know if there was some some code or something. There. Nope, no. Okay. Mm. The kid stays in the picture. Um, yeah, it's a documentary about Bloody uh, Helm. Forgetting the, uh, the 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 name of the producer that the documentary is about. Someone help me out here. Well, I should kid, I should make the better. Kid notes. stays in the picture. Yeah, um, I'll pull it up for you. Uh, Robert Evans. Oh yeah, 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 I won't pull it up for him. Um, they anyway, him a lot in the critic, didn't they? Did hmm? the cartoon, the critic. Did they? I, I haven't seen much of the critic. Uh, anyway, it's fascinating because the guy was a part of so many movies over so many years, and you get basically his point of view on all these huge films. And uh, yeah, just great stuff. I highly recommend like it. What, what movies did? Oh, uh, everything from The Godfather to. Uh, you are going to put me on the spot with this, aren't you? Um, no, I don't worry about that. Okay. Right away? I should have made more notes. No, that's all right. I, I made zero notes, so... It's my first time on the radio. I'm very, very nervous. I, I, haven't, I haven't heard Reefer Madness. I, I figured that'd be... That's actually on my runner-up. Oh, okay. Um, that's on my... <laughs> I never watched it. I watched, I I've only seen parts. Refrax today, they made fun of that one. It is phenomenal. Because they keep referring to marijuana as like a horrific narcotic. It's like entire movie. <laughs> It's, it's great. And they, they show this, like, decadent, like, New York City lifestyle with, like, the women and the men using ref, using marijuana and they end up killing each other. It's just, it's great. <laughs> a complete propaganda film. <laughs> All like right. The, the documentary about marijuana that's in Fair and Lonely in Las Vegas. It's roughly the same. Yeah, it's very similar. From constantly jacking off when he can't find a rape victim. All right. And then at number two... At number two, even though, I mean, I wanted to put The Thin Blue Line in my top ten documentaries somewhere, but I already, but I also wanted this documentary in, which is by the same filmmaker, Errol, Errol Morris. Um, I ultimately had to pick this one because I thought it was just overall more powerful, The Fog of War. It's a good movie. I've never heard of that one. That's a uh, former Defense Secretary, Robert McNamara, talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, and the and Vietnam, Vietnam but, but we know what happened in the Cuban Missile Crisis now. Yeah, you, or it's Vietnam yeah. War. Most X Men. Uh, oh yeah, yeah they, they yeah. clarify. Yeah. Kevin Bacon, you know, he has his uh, <laughs> group uh, trying to cause a nuclear war, and then Pro- Professor X and Magneto they they go and stop it. They, good. they may be much more excited when they thought Kevin Bacon was the bad guy in there. That's that's bad. But it's, the Fog of War is good. It's not. He's trying to. Yeah, get, uh, it's not funny or hilarious. No, but it's it's. Think. It's compelling. Um, in my in my mind, Errol Morris should be every bit as famous as like Michael Moore, that kind of person. As far oh, as okay. just great documentary filmmakers. All right, Tom, you want to want to back this shit up? Sure. So we will start. I, I moved Reefer Madness up a little bit because that one I greatly enjoyed. So I just recently watched that. So number ten, we'll do When We Were Kings, the uh, documentary, mm. the last Ali uh, Muhammad Ali. I haven't play. seen that. Yet. Actually, really good. Really? Did you cry? I don't think I cried, but it also wasn't Will Smith playing. The <laughs> he would have played him. I may have cried because he was beautiful. Uh, number ten is Grizzly Man. <laughs> I, hate that movie. I love that movie. He's just such an idiot. He's just like he's, 
You, but it's it's almost like in hot tub time machine where you keep waiting for him to lose his arm. It's kind of like this, and this one you know he's gonna get eaten. You just keep waiting. When's he finally gonna get? Well, eaten? he's just a complete moron. He had no business being out there. He just wandered out there. He's friends with. He knows the bears. He's with them. <laughs> Lives in his, his bus. He, they were just saving him for later. Yeah, they were just yeah. Waiting <laughs> for the wait, wait until he got a little more scrawny and kind of more beef jerky. Then remember the German the German guy who makes the documentary just annoyed the piss out of me in that movie. What's his name? I actually never saw it. I think his name was Mustard Grieg or something like that. <laughs> to me, it just sounded like a Faces of Death kind of thing, where I'd only be watching the movie to I'd, watch I'd, the guy like get kind of chippy, where he, you know he's kind of anthropomorphizing these bears. He feels like he's part of their culture and community. And but he's he, a failed actor and waiter. He's, yeah, but he spent—I mean, he's up in those. Spent so much time up there. It was just funny because he really feels like he's part of me. Like they show me like him walking. Right with the bear, it's just like holy shit, he's gonna die very soon. <laughs> and then it's just it's kind of unceremonious way. I mean, it's not like it's not like, like they find his camera, but you kind of you don't get to really see it. But it's just like ah, and like camera falls and they find his yeah. leftover bow and, and his girlfriend that he also basically murdered because he told her he, yeah yeah come on along come on oh you're totally oh. safe except that one's hungry that one's hungry. He's going to eat us maybe maybe the bears attacked because she was menstruating. The it's possible. The bears can the smell the menstruation. Oh, great. Bears. They're <laughs> putting the whole, whole action in jeopardy. Let's see. That was number nine. Uh, number eight. I have to put this as Spinal Tap. That was kind of my first exposure to a mockumentary. It's and, one of the best movies ever made. So. And I would say, was that kind of one of the first mockumentaries, though, in a lot of ways? I mean, have we really kind of broached the idea of making so. a false, complete, you know, turning it to 11 sort of thing? And I think it was the first one. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's still the best one. The mockumentaries? Yeah. Yeah, this is my whole tab. Um, number seven for me, I, in Borat, I did greatly enjoy Borat. <laughs> then with the ice cream truck with the bear in it, I made one of the funniest just single scenes. All the kids were like, yay! <laughs> right the other way. That's my back pussy. <laughs> and he even talking about his wife's you know, vagina like sleep of, sleep of wizard. <laughs> That's pretty good. He's <laughs> like sleep of wizard. Um, I did not care much for what was the, the Bruno. Bruno. No, it wasn't very good. Only part that was funny is where he wasn't even Bruno character, but he was running that ad agency, and they're trying to get the parents to sign up their kids to play like the little baby Hitlers <laughs> that were burning the little baby the Jewish people. I need your baby to lose ten pounds in a week. We can do that. <laughs> it was it was incredibly frightening for me to know that parents would do that. Number six, uh, we just mentioned before the podcast, King of Kong. Great. Great movie. I really liked it, but uh, nowhere close to the top ten for me. I think maybe because I like video games so much. So I think it was just more the the history of knowing about Billy Mitchell. You know, he, he does have an almost like super artistic like power for playing those games. Though it, it's yeah. kind of oddly impressive how good he was at those things. But if you check the uh, the list now, neither one of them are the leader. Somebody has broken all the records. Broken, yeah, he's finally been knocked down. But is he? He may not be actually defending them anymore. I, I don't. I would. The documentary seemed to bring out the, just the complete asshole in him. But that was, that was just kind of the fun part of it. Like, you see how just a douchebag he is. This is weird culture that surrounding these You're going arcade to, video games. Think the, about the arcade thing in uh, Seattle. Yeah, I think about, I may try to go to PAX. Let's see if that's going to work or not. <laughs> uh, number five, we just talked about Reefer Madness. One of the more famous propaganda <laughs> films of all time. It's on my runners up, but it's just it just watching it though. They're just wrong about every single part of it. They're called those like powerful narcotic, and just it's unbelievable. It's fun to watch. Stunned. I really recommend. So it. I never watched it. I, I watched it with the Rift Tracks or the MST3K version, and it's <laughs> incredibly entertaining. 
Not that I advocate drug use in any way. We don't. So as I know, it's less reefer, which is a powerful narcotic. Powerful yes. narcotic. <laughs> Never want to do powerful narcotics like that. Um, I actually, I believe I've watched all of it. Uh, Ken Burns baseball. It's very good. Talking about talking about what was it? Ken Burns baseball. Ken Burns baseball. Oh, okay. It's twenty four hours long or something mm-hmm. like that. I've watched all. Really? Of it. Yeah. It's like nine different tapes. Yeah, it was huge. Damn. But very interesting. I think it's on streaming now. It is. So as is his Civil War documentary, which is. I never saw that one. Baseball, to me, just was more up my alley, so I watched the baseball. Oh, I watched the book. And this is a Ken Burns documentary? It was, it was on, yes. initially on television. I, it was on I prefer not to see Ken Burns when he's talking. So, When you do any sort of like presentation software, where they have the Ken Burns effect where you just put right, photos in and it's like randomly, you know, yeah, that, zoom in and out. That's what impresses me the most is, I mean, he his style is so iconic that you can use the Ken Burns effect. Yeah, yeah it's like that's Ken Burns. I does like documentaries for uh, Baseball Network all the time. Yep. MLB Network. He, right. is, yeah. he is the number one documentary man. He's the baseball documentarian. Yeah. Now let's see. Uh, number three is Monster Camp. Have you seen this one? Never heard of it. This is a pretty new. I say this in the last three or four years. It's a doc, real life documentary about um, live action role players. Oh, <laughs> okay. So this sort of spoke to you on some yeah, level. Yeah. So it's really entertaining to see people. You know, this is like D and D to that next level where they like study their spells and they put they run around in the woods and pretend to be centaurs and kind of like uh, what's the name of the comedy with Paul Rudd and Sean William Scott? Exactly. Step or uh, Ron- Role Models. Role Models. Yeah. That that is live action role playing. That game they're playing. Okay. This was pretty much the documentary about the, a real life version of it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, a friend of mine actually made a short film that was very successful online called Fear of Girls. That okay. was all about all about that. It, it was hard because I think they seem to be a fairly. They're not. It's hard to make it not be trying to make fun of them while doing it. You're trying to say this is what they do, not be like, well, oh, this is ridiculous and look how dumb these people are. They try to ride the line. <laughs> Uh, number two, this uh, Jerry recommended this one to me, Jesus Camp, and that I'm still frightened of the people in that movie. That <laughs> Have little, you seen that one? I haven't. No, I need to. Especially when you think of like that's like some sort of crazy devil's like enclave in North Dakota. Yeah. And that little like preacher kid who feels like he can't talk to non Christians, but he can preach. Yeah, they're so they're, they're like the Pentecostal, the people who speak in tongues and stuff, yeah. and feel that they're compelled Sadly, at all times to. And they had like the little cut out of George Bush, and they would like. Hold up little fetuses and stuff. It was just weird. Yeah, yeah I've seen little clips, and I, I know the premise. I just, you know, every time I was at the video store and looked at it's it and considered it, it's like, I watch on do streaming. I, do I want to get angry? I think it was one of the first movies I actually watched on streaming. Yeah. That was my first kind of... I had Netflix forever, but finally tried the streaming. Yeah. Which, you know, you can use an unlimited amount. And it, up, it upset me. It's, <laughs> but it's hilarious, too. And the kids are just unbelievable. The girl just walks up to people in a bowling alley... Jesus told me to come talk to you. So it's like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> just, oh, it hurts. <laughs> that was my number two, was Jesus Camp, because that one physically right. upset me. All right, I have uh, number 10, No Direction Home, the Bob Dylan documentary by Martin Scorsese. It is, just, it is quite good. It's pretty good. I it follows him right after, he, most of the movies uh, has concert footage from right after he went electric, which pissed off British people. Oh okay. I, I don't know much. Uh, honestly, don't know much about electric. <laughs> no, damn. Yeah, it, it's a it's a good movie. I have it on DVD. So Bob Dylan should only be acoustic. Is that what I'm? No, uh, that's folk music. Was only acoustic and acoustic until he went electric at a Newport Folk Festival. I think like 1965. It was a big deal back then. Okay. Well, it's because that electricity was new. Yeah. If you have three or four hours, I, I and the motor car. 
<laughs> Number nine, I have King of Kong, which we talked about. Number eight, The Fog of War. Which we oh, there you about. go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Roger and Me, which is by Michael Moore, whom I can't stand anymore, but I do like Roger. What and do you me. think of Bull? I talk about what, what do you think of Bowling for Columbine? Is that one just too overrated? It was just everybody watched it. It was like, all of the ones yeah. we've made since then, except for Canadian Bacon. I think he's a little too full of his own opinions. It seemed like Bowling so, for Columbine was kind of the first. That was kind of like my first documentary. Horrible. Oh, uh, Inconvenient Truth. Yeah, Inconvenient Truth is similar. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd, Michael Moore has become kind of like the liberal Glenn back to me a little bit. And, and to an extent he is, but I, I mean, at the same time, you know, he's very upfront with his bias. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's no there's no question whatsoever, no, okay. whatsoever that, you know, you are getting his point of view in this film. And, I mean, documentaries... I mean, some of them, you know, sort of feign neutrality, but the fact of the matter is, when you make a film, you are presenting an opinion, and so I'm good with him, like you know, saying, "Okay, this is what I think," and just being good with that. Right. But he manipulates information in order to prove his point quite a bit. That's what all. That's what I do. successful scientists do. Yes. <laughs> Number yeah, six. We, we we call that process editing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number six. No, that, I don't like that part. Take that part out. Yeah, it looks better. <laughs> Number six, Ken Burns Baseball. Yeah. Great. 24th, if you have time. I can bring that over too. Yeah. Yeah, Number five, Born into Brothels. See, I haven't seen that yet. It's pretty good. It's pretty pretty sad. But I love brothels and I love birth. So. And you love birthing, so Born for Brothels. Yeah. Name, name for you. Yeah, it brought me up. Well, do you, can you share kind of roughly? Uh, it's, a, I'm, it's, I'm it's about the children of prostitutes in Indian brothels, and this they go like kind of uh, learn this photography. Famous say this photographer says, dots or feathers. <laughs> what? Dots or feathers? Dots. Dots. Okay. So they um, the this famous photographer goes in and sets up like, this photography workshop for some of the kids who are children to the prostitutes, and it's pretty it's pretty depressing, but. Imagine, is that like the lowest caste or just the scum of the earth sort of thing? I think so. Okay. Yeah, they're pretty... I guess I would have thought Indians, like in the traditional Indian culture, that doesn't seem prostitution be, I guess, actively used. It seems like that would not be... That'd be no, frowned it's, upon. it's apparently very common. Really? Yeah. Okay. And you pay extra for... I read a book about... Um, it's a book called Sold, I think. That's about Indian brothels, and they're pretty rough. Uh, I think any brothel is probably pretty rough. <laughs> Yeah, the, but not the chicken ranch. ranch. Ones where you're forced to be in them. The roughest. Was like a, it's like almost like a slavery sort of thing? Sex like a lot a of sex them like a, oh, okay. Yeah. So is Steven Seagal's in there? Steven Seagal yeah, is... Sylvester Stallone. He <laughs> Sweet, okay. Got some, we got some big names. Kevin Bacon, probably. Number four is Jesus Camp. Number three is Capturing the Freedmans. Have you ever seen that one? That's on my runner's no. up. It's about, uh, it's about this weird case in uh, upstate, was it... Great Neck, New York. I don't, I don't remember where it was. This guy was teaching computer class. All these people come out and start saying he molested them, and and then all of a sudden they start saying his son molested them, and it kind of gets into like this mass hysteria that like people love being victims. So they oh kinda, okay like he may have done it some, but they everybody just kind of flipped out and was like oh constantly, and they have all these contrasting points of view where people are like no that never happened. So, so it kind of shows almost like this more of mass hysteria where yeah. it's almost confabulating. Yeah. So it's it's pretty interesting. What's yeah, that? basically getting raped by your computer instructor was the new black. Yeah, it was. Uh, so what was the uh, what's the name of that one? Capturing the Freedmen. It sounds interesting. Actually, it is, it is it pretty is. interesting. So there's been a lot of cases in like mass hysteria. It's amazing, like how polarized people can be and just completely made up. Yeah, and I, I mean, the, of course, they're they're telling you, giving you a meth- message you want, they want you to hear, but 
it seems pretty clear to me that the father actually was molesting a couple of kids. Well, the, the hysteria gets so high pitched that it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. You know, it's, it becomes hard to sort the uh, you know truth from the bullshit. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> Balls for balls. Wow, that is Beats a, for pins. That is a huge jar of balls. Cheese balls. <laughs> no, just is, balls. Is this, is this pregnancy grocery shopping here? <laughs> uh, cheese ball. <laughs> oh, was that the first announcement to the PGP? Oh, man, man. Yeah. Tom, is, Tom is going to be the first. Tom is pregnant. PGP film caster to reproduce. Well. Well, Terry is I'm a guest. If you want to join us more often, I think we're always happy for more people. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you guys should wait, listen on playback. Maybe I'm totally throwing off your chemistry. And you uh, just there's not a whole lot of chemistry. No, Mostly we just. just that sexual, it ends and we all walk away and discuss. Well, we did, well, I mean, Chad and I have discussed that we don't like sexual tension in like TV shows, so we don't want any sexual tension here. <laughs> then I should leave. <laughs> and my number two is exit through the gift shop. Really I haven't cornhole. seen it yet. It's a really cool documentary about a street artist. This one called Banksy is he's kind of the featured one, but it's about this guy who just totally kind of rips off all their ideas and makes yeah. a huge amount of money yeah. off it. He follows uh, follows them around, like filming and it's like films like how they do it and like where they put the stuff up and he has like just thousands and thousands of hours of footage. I mean, he has like just cases. He has an entire room just filled with tapes. And he told all of them, well, I'm making a documentary about street art. And he was just going around filming them. He didn't really... He had no plans whatsoever. So how did he make money about, about having reels and reels of film? It was his hobby. That's what he liked to do. But, he just said he made but then what he did was he went and he basically said, I'm a street artist too, and had this big show and paid like actual artists. He like paid them... Said, yeah, he I want to do this. He's a ghostwriter, but he's like a ghost artist. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then had them do it, and then made a huge amount of money. Yeah, he made millions of dollars. Like, huh? It's were, pretty. Were these like weird street art where it was like perspective, where like I'm standing there, it looks like I'm on the edge of a cliff, sort of thing. Or like, what kind of street art are we talking? Uh, like uh, you can look up Banksy online. Not that people like act like robots or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, it's mainly like, like maple kind of stuff, you know. You know, on the street. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm I'm glad you got that though. Ball gag. <laughs> One of the more like controversial ones that uh, Banksy did was after I think it was in 2003 or four. It's after 9/11, and uh, it, it was after the uh, Guantanamo Bay. Guantanamo. Yeah, the Guantanamo. Yeah, no, whatever. Fuck. <laughs> El Torino, Guantanamo. <laughs> Anyways, uh, after they've the uh, big like they're torturing the prisoners and stuff and. They went to Disney World and they had like uh, prison outfits and they had mannequins and they like set it up around some ride at Disneyland with like inmates. These are, these are like the shitty protesters we had at the U of M for the animal rights for a while. Remember they locked themselves in cages. But if, if you see the movie, a lot of what he does is pretty funny and yeah. clever. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So he's pretty. Some of the stuff is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That was one that got like on CNN and Fox News and stuff. So oh, Fox News, yeah, there they we go. Cover, that's hard hitting. It is. It's true. Well, true. That, true. That, that was my number two. But yeah, hundred percent true. All right. Uh, How many Star Wars documentaries exist, Chad? There is one <laughs> making of Star Wars Episode One. <laughs> no, it was really good. Is that just? It's like, actually like probably. Is that, is that like Flight One Ninety Two, the making of Star Wars? <laughs> I was watching. One? 
like before I got called into work, I was watching Team Con because that was going to be my number ten. What's it? What's the? What was the the number of the flight that the people crashed so it couldn't hit the world weight, world trade? United ninety three. No, so this is like United ninety three, <laughs> making a Star Wars episode <laughs> on. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't watch very many documentaries, so I actually watched the making of Star Wars Episode One. They had no like talking heads like in normal like making of movies and stuff. They just follow people making the movie, they just follow them around. Did they show like the industrial light magic stuff at all? Yeah, they go. Oh, that'd be kinda cool. Yeah. It starts from like when he starts writing the script all the way to the film film is released. Do they do they do they have anything about like, specifically about the pod racing scene? I'd actually like. I would watch it just to see if they had more about how they did the it's pod two racing. Two hours long, so I mean, they... so that's still one of the cooler movie scenes. I I love pod racing. That was amazing. It was pretty cool. No, so, they, they pretty much cover everything that they did in the movie, and like, like they have it from storyboards. Like they go and like when they just got like tons of like boards, just they prop them up. And then he goes through and like draws on them like what's going to be real what's going to be special effects and oh okay like, like laying the, out the scenes or yeah laying out okay. like all the scenes so I mean you kind of get why the new Star Wars were so rigid because everything was planned like before you have to be exactly here because all of our CGI effects are yeah. going to be doing wobble out behind you yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it, it actually is an interesting documentary um, and is um, I, one there's a line in it that I loved where uh they're in a meeting talking over budgets or something. He says something along the lines of, you know, a million saved is a million earned. Like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. just the sums of money they were dealing with yeah. were so and then large. He, they also, he's like talking like, you know, once we do this, like have 2,000 special effects shots in just one movie, everybody's going to want to do it. Like, hmm. it's, it's, true, it's like, almost right after, like a promotional video for Industrial Light Magic almost. Yeah, it's like, right. here's what we can do. Yeah. So I mean, it was kind of like that because right after that, I mean, a lot of there's a lot of the like practical effects kind of just like pretty much all models pretty much disappeared after that. Yeah, Yeah. which is a mixed blessing. I mean, it's cheaper to do now. Um, You can't get Independence Day without models, man. Right. I I I love practical effects. Yeah, I think they look better. Impractical Star Wars look better than the new ones. Is that impractical effects? Means that's like not that's like 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 like, non CG. Make this get up and walk around. Like, so, actually, like California yeah, raisins—that's practical effects. Yeah, okay, yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> actually, the, be- the the best use of CG, in my opinion, is when they're augmenting a practical effect to just make it just a little bit better. So, um, like in hi- your princess, like giving her a thong versus no thong. <laughs> that I don't know if that's even useful because it's like the Jessica Alba and like. She's not really naked. She's standing there in a bikini, but they just use special effects that make it look like she's naked. I imagine just the, just the nipples way off. It just looks <laughs> uncanny valley sort of they, they, don't, they don't actually show the nipples in the movie. They just show the side. She doesn't have any nipples. That's even grosser. Yeah. That's just weird. You, you know, she just has know, two eyeballs, know. actually. <laughs> she's, so, she's so intelligent. She doesn't need nipples. Hellboy 3. Then, uh, <laughs> eyeballs where there shouldn't be eyeballs. <laughs> Number nine, uh, li- Loud, Quiet, Loud, a film about the Pixies. It, Documentary about the reunion tour from 2004. So, like the, like the band, the Pixies. Yeah. Okay. So, and uh, I went to the second reunion tour in 2006. So, yeah. I think I went with you. Yeah, about, yeah. Well, all of us did. So. You, you guys went to the actual concerts. Yeah. 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 Well, that's kind of cool. I didn't know that. 
But uh, no, we we didn't go to the first like reunion tour. They've been like doing the reunion tour for. They're still doing like reunion yeah, forever. Tour. It seems yeah. like yeah. they're making tons of money. I thought they, sure. I thought they were dead for. A while. I, I get yeah. I get their tour updates on Facebook because I liked them. Yeah, and and now I hear about everywhere that they're playing. So they basically just tour nonstop as yeah. far as I can. They don't know. make any new music though. They they yeah. have their solo projects that they do and like almost don't need to though. Yeah, yeah. I mean everybody that I mean if they put out a new album, I mean it would never live up to what right. people would expect. So well, once you've created perfection, you just walk away. <laughs> well, not if you're Lucas, but if you're anyone else. <laughs> I will say the same thing. Like you say the same thing for Man in Black too. They should just left Man in Black one alone. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to even bring up Search for Spock. <laughs> There's been so many bad, especially if you. I mean, in a lot of ways, the uh, the kind of the next generation based Star Trek movies were kind of like the prequels. I mean, they, some of them were pretty bad. Search for Spock's one with Christopher Lloyd is. Uh... Oh yeah, but I mean, like if you want to look at like what were the really oh. bad Star Wars Star Trek movies, it's when they started getting to. I love the Next Generation cast. But that cast was not designed to do a two-hour, quick-hitting action movie. They're designed no. to pontificate about you know political, social commentary over long, huge episodes. <laughs> not made for movies. Christopher Lloyd has a... Uh, what was the name of the race? Search for Spock? Or the, the Andorians? What, which no, one? no. Griff and the... Or Next Generation, the guy with the crinkled forehead. Oh, Klingons. Worf. Yeah. Yeah. Klingons. Christopher Lloyd is a Klingon. Did he just run into a water bowl? He ran into it. Okay. Then number eight uh, was uh, directed by the guys that did uh, uh, Brothers Keeper, uh, Paradise Lost, uh, The Child Murders at Robin Hood Hill. It's about, uh, Sounds fun. Yeah, I saw it on HBO. Uh, it's about uh, three kids that were, like, I think they were, like, eight, eight or nine years old. They were brought out to the woods and raped and killed, like... They arrested uh, three. Uh, well, one one kid said that the other two did it, and then he he saw them do it, and then they all get put on trial. Him for aiding and abetting, then the other two for doing the actual. How, how old were the kids that supposedly raped and killed them? Uh, teenagers, like sixteen, seventeen. But the okay. the one was uh, our two of them were Satanists. This is kind of like the Goonies gone horribly wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> They go to the men's room. Don't We're going to go find one-eyed Willie's treasure. <laughs> but uh, they were like Satanists, like listened to like heavy metal, drinking like, blood yeah, and dumb yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, stupid shit like that. And yeah, they they arrested them and they they convicted them too. There, they uh, no physical evidence like on the scene that they were there or did it, but they had no alibis. So and, and I guess testimony of this one that was the aiding and abetting. Yeah, said, hey, they did it. Yeah, he said that they did it, but his he had holes in his story. And do you feel like? I mean, was that the kind of point I learned? Do you feel like that these people were wrongly convicted? Is that what they're trying to show? Really, I, I think you know. I don't think they had enough evidence to convict, but I still. I mean, there's probably this 50, is a, 50 I'm assuming a criminal case. And yeah, they're, they're reason, still in jail. Beyond a reasonable so, doubt. Yeah, <laughs> they're still in jail. There's no no blood like on their clothes or so and no like, nothing at the scene of the crime. That, Says that they were there, and so it's like so they didn't climax. Is what yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that or they were fool, wrap your tool. <laughs> that or they were Trojan wearing rapists. But anyways, they I'm they're in jail. Safer. I mean, I don't know how you could convict them. I mean, it's possible. It's definitely possible that they did it. I mean, yeah, it sounds no like that'd be unreasonable doubt. It sounds yeah. like without evidence, that'd be a, that seems to be hard to uh, sell that. Yeah, yeah so. They might have done it, 
might end up. I don't know. You can go talk to him yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Make your own formed opinion. He, he'd want to drink my blood. <laughs> or just your urine. It might just extend just your urine. just suck on your toe for you know. a while. <laughs> uh, then number seven, Super Size Me. So I've never actually seen it. No. Just because it, it makes me mad. But McDonald's? Well, I think it's just I think it's just unrealistic work. You know, if he just ate McDonald's every day or for every meal, that'd be fine. But he kind of made this game like, well, if they offer me supersize, I have to supersize. Like, well, you don't have to. That's, that's completely <laughs> so, fabricated. So to you, it's not that it was the uh, nature of McDonald's food that was gradually destroying his health over a month. It was that he got the large portions. Well, he, but it was more that it wasn't like he was making a choice. I'm going to eat the large value meal at everyone. He made it like, well, if they offer me this, I have to get it. Like, well, like they like he was not making a choice; he was compelled to buy. Ah, yeah, that's what kind of made. That's just it. Just rubbed me that part rubbed me the wrong way. Well, so. Ronald is one evil fucking clown. And good ice cream though. <laughs> there are many. There are many McFlurries. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that you're just defending McDonald's because of uh, um, over Gosh. at Children's Hospital or whatever. That's the that's the only place you can well, go. I just, go, always love McDonald's. I just in general, I love McDonald's. Anything can be enjoyed in moderation. Yeah, uh, you get a small French fry and a six-piece McNugget. What about a puck pack? Can you eat that in moderation? Yes. <laughs> you can eat, by moderation means you can eat that for your whole calories for a week. <laughs> I don't know. There's no. I cannot find any actual like like I almost need to contact McDonald's. And say, do you have evidence of what was in the puck pack? It's impossible to find. It was a double quarter pounder with cheese, a large what? fry, and a sundae. I thought it was a apple pie or something. The apple pie. Okay. Pie. See, my, this is why I can't find any. Proof or evidence? To it say. definitely was a double quarter pound of cheese and a large fry. Yeah, and I was just trying to remember the dessert. In my mind, I, I remember seeing a chocolate sundae, but I'm not for sure by any means. Can't remember for sure, not. All right, it better. Well, it was like a bunch of apple pies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas found a topic he really likes. It is interesting though that the documentary caused them to take supersizing away. Yep, it got rid. It also kind of killed sort of the whole value meal view of things. Like now, everything is um, dollar menu based. Which is the way it was, like, in the 80s. I mean, everything was ordered single time. I only order stuff off the dollar menu. <laughs> Most people do. I mean... Yeah. yeah, but I order $20 worth of shit. <laughs> you, you get, do, you ever get the, do you get the Lancey and Air or the McGangbang? Huh? <laughs> the McGangbang? Did I, you hear I, the McGangbang? No! Or the Lancey and Air? Yeah, the, There's all these, the like, McGangbang. quote, secret sandwiches. Yeah, the McGangbang is take a, a McDouble and a McChicken, <laughs> and you spread apart the two hamburger patties... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's good a picture, but you take split apart the two hamburger patties and put the McChicken in between, and then you put it on top. So it's, so it's a white chick with teeth wow. between two black guys. The gangbang. Oh, that's 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 and fucking brilliant. Apparently, if, if you go to the right McDonald's, you can just go I want a order. I want a McGangbang, and they'll make it to order. Like really? Yeah. I don't know if there's any McDonald's around here, but there you go. <laughs> wow! So this is like a cultural phenomenon that everyone else is hip to, but me. Yeah, and then uh, Lansing Air is a McChicken, a McDouble, and, and a fish. Flail Fish yeah. all combined. Lansing Air. Yeah. But I think that's just uh, you take the meat patties. And yeah, I don't think I don't think it includes the bun and all that crap in there like this. <laughs> So that's a McGangbang. I, I realize this is radio and people can't see that picture, but wow, that is one of the least appetizing things I've ever seen. Yeah. It's dirty looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. I feel a little greasy having just looked at it. It doesn't even like really line up well. Yeah, it just looks bad. <laughs> All right, Chad, number six. 
God. Yeah, we, yeah, we totally went off for a while. Uh, Spellbound, the uh, documentary about the... Scripps Howard Spelling Bee. That, yeah. that was a good documentary. It was good. Then number five, the Planet Earth series. Those it looks cool. great. Looks great on my Blu-ray player. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one narrated oh, by okay. Sigourney Weaver and stuff. And no, no, this one is uh, narrated by uh, Oprah, wasn't it? No, Richard no, no. The, <laughs> was this was this Richard really Earth Day, or is this just its own thing? This is its own thing, a BBC okay. series, and it was really good. It probably would look fantastic on Blu-ray. That'd probably oh, be amazing. We got downstairs. We got a test it on. Didn't computer. they recently do a documentary that was? Kind of inspired by that movie, though, that had Oprah voicing it. Yeah, yeah, there's another. I think it even has Planet Earth in the title. Yeah. Okay. It's Oprah. But this is the better, better version. Yeah, I hear it sucked, come to think of it. The McGang Bang was not featured in it. Then, uh, (laughs) number four. That's Planet Earth. I'm Trying to Break Your Heart, a film about Wilco, another concert movie. It's uh, about the band Wilco when they're making the uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Uh, that helped. If you like Wilco, it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. See, I'm not going um, with the movie, and I've never heard of the band Wilco. Yeah, so. Jack could sing. Hey, I, can, I kicked my ten off with the decline of Western civilization, so I figured you can do as many concert films as you want. Jack, sing him a few bars. Of no, 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 I'm not going to. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, they picked the right uh, CD to do the documentary on because the band like pretty much almost breaks up. Like, there's two like main songwriters in the band, and Jeff Tweedy. Jeff Tweedy. I don't remember the other guy's name. Steve Tweedy. It wasn't Steve Tweedy. Tweedy. But uh, they, they basically, you see through the movie, they just get on each other's nerves just more and more. And then finally, like almost at the end, they kick the one guy out of the band. And then they finally released the uh, album that the one guy put a lot of work into because he wrote some of the songs and like helped produce it. And, and get some credit sort of thing? Huh? Uh, I think he gets... I, I'm sure he gets... He just doesn't get the run. tour. He doesn't get the tour and like... Get all the accolades from the oh, tour okay. and, and all the money actually, since touring's where the money's at for the band. So he, so. he did get royally screwed in this yeah. deal. Yeah. Then uh, number three, Roger and Me. We're going to talk about that. That's uh, a good one. Number two, Exit Through the Gift Shop. That's really good. Yeah. Should have won best uh, best documentary. That thing is just ripe for some porno parodies, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exit Through the Cornhole. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> they write themselves. <laughs> and then. Uh, it, number one, I have uh, American Movie. Okay. Excellent movie. Uh, my number one is also American Movie. Wow. Number one for me is Trekkies. Yay. That was good. Oh, I never caught it, actually. It's, it's good. It's worth seeing. Rich Cronfeld, he is one oh. of the guys that did Let's Bowl. Mm-hmm. He makes the little... Uh, oh, like... Uh, he, he made the... Why can't I remember the name of it? It's like the first captain before Kirk. And he was paralyzed in the original series, and he drove around like this like little, little motorized wheelchair. He could only communicate by putting on one of two Oh, he's the original captain of the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, what was his name? Scott Bakula? No, he was actually Scott Bakula, but after that, he's, <laughs> I mean, he's, in the, he's in the new movie. Yeah, kind of having a... I'm going to figure that out. Carrie, your number one? Oh, um, my number one was Roger and Me. Um, which, you know... The skinning of the rabbit really brings it home. Well, I, for me, it was um, it was such an influential film at the time that I saw it. I was just I was in those late teen years. I was you know very impressionable. It, yeah. So the I movie Roger and Me um, was a kind of a life changing film in certain respects. So wow, that's a popular one. I'm surprised. I mean, American movie. movie and Roger and Me. That was probably the two big ones. Do you have any uh, runners up that we didn't uh, get in on? Yeah, um, <laughs> the cats. 
not not Aristocats. Or, oh, uh, the, the Aristocrats. So it's about cats. it's about a joke that all comedians apparently so tell. That yeah, filthy. They were I, impressive. I said I wasn't impressed. Really? I thought Drew Carey was. Is that the one that had Bob Saget? His his was just horrendously. Yeah, and it wasn't <laughs> funny. The Bob Saget <laughs> wasn't funny. Yeah, Drew Carey was, was pretty funny. Yeah. With it. Um, anyway, uh, also um, a famous film from 1955 called Night and Fog. If you've ever seen it, it's uh, it's probably what you picture in your head when you think about documentaries about the Holocaust. Oh. Um, incredibly powerful film, um, but I've only seen it once. It's been a number of years since I've seen it, so I can't put it on my top ten. Um, Re- Religulous was on my That's um, the one with, uh, top ten. Bill Maher. Bill Maher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing the trailer for it. Yeah. I think um, we were actually doing the podcast when, when that came out. Oh, really? Yeah. It was pretty close. Religious? Or yeah. yeah. Anyway, it, it, it's a funny movie. Um, I don't know if it's the greatest documentary, but it was very funny. Um, another film that I would love to put in my top ten, but it's, it's, hard, hard, to, it's hard to watch more than once. But you can't pronounce it, so you can't um, your top No, it's called uh, Kleonis Katsi, and... Uh, is that like Goatsy? Is that like Goatsy, I think? <laughs> um, uh, how do I explain the film? Basically, um, Lamb Chop. It, there's no dialogue or characters or anything. It's just endless kind of cinematography of. Of, uh, of like wilderness? Or like what are they showing? Of civilization progressing, I suppose, is a, a way to put it. And anyway. Um, like putting cat food into a can, sort of thing, and sealing the can? Yes, exactly the type of <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what it is. Okay. Um, anyway, um, if, if you have any like film school snobs listening to your podcast, they all just got very excited so about the fact that... Koyanis Katsi... Um, there was also a film came out in the 90s, similar premise, um, like it wasn't Baraka or something. 1991 Twins World Series... Video? So was this total? Was this without verbal dialogue? Was it just imagery? Yep, oh, just okay. imagery and music. It's it's incredibly compelling. I, I recommend it. But again, it's hard to watch more than once. It it's it's easy to make it a screensaver again and again and again. But it's hard to actually sit down and pay attention to it more than once. Would you say that's arguably not even a movie at that point? Is it just more? Like- well, I mean it. it- Silent films are films, but that had at least written dialogue. Usually, typically, <laughs> yeah, they have the little inner titles. Yeah. no, it's it's a documentary. It's just it takes a little more uh, attention. To they get could do this point. now, but with just like the double rainbow guy. They Pretty Actually, there is a sequel to, to Koyanis Katsi. You know, oh, really? Yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but double it's rainbow. Similar. Um, another <laughs> documentary that was on my runners-up that no one mentioned was uh, Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse. Um, this was made in 1991 to, I guess, commemorate 20 years after the making of, or some number of years after the making of army Apocalypse of Now. Oh, Apocalypse. I didn't know it was like an Army of Darkness reference or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that w- then it would have been on my top ten. Okay, actually. that'd be pretty awesome. Um, Another one, Gonzo, which was put out in 2008. I absolutely love Hunter S. Thompson. It's a documentary about Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, okay. But there's too many celebrity interviews in it for my taste, and that's why it got knocked off of the top ten. And then... uh, Yeah, Capturing the Freedmen's up. Capturing the Freedmen's, we mentioned. An Inconvenient Truth. I still haven't seen it. Oh, really? I mean, it's good. It just it ended up not being better than the other ten movies I had in my top ten. And then the other Errol Morris film, The Thin Blue Line. You know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen The Thin Blue Line, that is like 
the quintessential documentary. It's what they make all film nerds watch at some point. It's kind of like still done as a quintessential Patrick Swayze movie. Absolutely. We'll be watching next episode. Chad, do you want to get the info? All right. That's it for all of our top tens. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, next episode, uh, we're going to do our top ten screenwriters. So, scripters. So, George Lucas might not make any lists. <laughs> screenwriters. Okay. Be, not if anyone's being honest. That'll be one way to find out that somebody like has written like five movies. Yeah, like, like we've discovered that a few times in retro reviews where it's like this this person also did heavyweights. <laughs> 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 this could be a fun discovery process for everyone. Just, just look up some of your favorite films, see who wrote them, and then just follow the thread. You know. So it's like you have the Wayne's World one too. It's like and also did Wayne's World, which makes it everything else does quality. It's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I don't remember how I stumbled upon this, but we're going to do a retro review of Steel Dawn, starring Patrick Swayze. So can, I, so can it's you good. bring up the uh, the description of this movie? Oh, you want me to pull up yeah. Steel Dawn here? Yeah, we'll we'll read through that. Then our verse is going to be uh, to uh, this is my fault. Long long long. Long. My fault. I like both of these movies though. So, uh, L.A. Confidential and versus Touch of Evil. So, so basically, an homage to uh, film noir versus an actual film noir film. All right. And how about that description of Steel Dawn? So the very brief one we have: In a post-apocalyptic world, a warrior wandering through the desert comes upon a group of settlers who are being menaced by a murderous gang that is after the water they control. It's not just like some water; they have like their own like little underground. Lake. Waterfall yeah. thing, yeah. Okay. And uh, Swayze's there for the Swayze with his mullet. It is beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that is, <laughs> is an amazing shot. Oh, he, he looks so. Oh, there, there's some... You can't quite tell if he's in like a Conan type movie or if he's just off to a very gay disco. No, we got to pull up some names. There's there's some there's some much better ones here. There it is. <laughs> wow. Look at that thing. Oh, that's sort of a mountain man look. That yeah. That's glorious. It's, it's kind of his Mad Max, I think. And that's the way it is for most of the movie, unless he has it tied back when he's doing battle. Well, you always tie your hair, hair back when you do battle. I'm sorry. <laughs> All the ladies will tell you that. It, it was such a good movie. And all their swords look like they're made from like old car parts. It's just a terrible movie. <laughs> wow! And we, terrible. We have to watch don't want it. To ruin it. Oh, it's so good. Next episode. All right, but uh, you can go check out uh, our website at www.pgtfilmcast.com. Uh, sorry, uh, and we you'll be able to vote on whether you think uh, L.A. Confidential is better than Touch of Evil. I haven't seen either one, so I'm, I have no. And you're playing L.A. Noir right now, so you're. Oh, are you? Okay, so ahead. this film will totally right yeah, play into so L.A. Noir. Uh. All right, so uh, that's it. That's it for the episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Stay sexy. Circle pines. Stay beautiful.